The final season of Power Book 2, Ghost, begins. And for Tariq St. Patrick, it's the moment of truth. In the wake of being betrayed, pushed out of the drug game, and almost killed, Tariq is out for revenge. Will he prove to be like his father and do whatever is to be done to protect his family and his future? Or is he his own man? Power Book 2, Ghost, the final season. Watch now only on Stars and the Stars app. State Farm Insurance knows that understanding and investing in our cultural identity is paramount in protecting our future. We know what it's like to go from nothing to something, to wish that we had better financial literacy when we were younger. Luckily, State Farm is here to help. With funding programs like Project Ready, which is committed to education achievement and has already awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to black and brown youth since 2021. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. Celebrate your magic in the middle of life's messes. Hot, happy mess. I'm Zuri Hall, and this is Hot, Hot Happy, happy Mess. Oh, shoot. <laughs> What's up? Hey, y'all. I'm Zuri Hall, and this is another episode of Hot Happy Mess. Happy Monday. If you're listening on the day that this debuts, because that means you are the realest of the real. Uh, Can't believe it's almost July. Where did 2021 go? I'm just glad it's not 2020. Slowly but surely, we are creeping out of this pandemic life, and I am here for it. Okay, just a quick catch up on my life. The Olympics are coming up. I work for NBC, so American Ninja Warrior, we are in full swing. Monday nights on NBC, 8 p.m., let's go. Uh, Kicking off the Tokyo Olympics the summer games on MVC too. So make sure y'all check that out. A lot going on. I'm trying to get the work-life balance down y'all. So I just say that to say that I've been dealing with some burnout. We are slowly crawling out of that. I've been carving out way more time for self-care and meditation. And I'm getting back into my daily practice because I had fallen out of it. So we're getting back into the groove. We're feeling good and we're getting to a good place. So a lot of exciting stuff this summer and a very special event coming up via... Hot Happy Mess, another amazing podcast that I'm not going to reveal yet, and the Black Effect Podcast Network. I'm not going to give you anything else, but it's awesome, it's interactive, and you are absolutely going to love it. So stay tuned for that announcement soon. You can follow us at Hot Happy Mess on Instagram to get the announcement first. All right. I'm excited you're here today because as promised, we are bringing you part dos, that's two in Spanish, of our home buyers episode, okay? So as a refresher, last week in our home ownership 101 part one, I spoke with Kendra Barnes. She's a real estate investor and the founder of The Key Resource. And Kendra kind of walked us through the pros and cons of renting versus buying, how to house hack, the importance of shopping around for a mortgage, first time home buyer loans, so much more. If you missed that episode, make sure you go back and listen because she was dropping all the gems. Okay. In today's episode, we are diving deep, 
deep, deep, deep into home ownership. And we have three amazing experts, two of which were my realtors. They helped me buy the house that y'all hear me talking about all the time, okay? So these three experts are gonna guide us on interest rates, buying your house sight unseen, realtors, lenders, how to pick them, how to know you have the right one, what to look for when shopping for a house, what the heck escrow is, how to make a strong competitive offer, what to expect during your escrow period, investigation period, appraisal contingencies, all these things. Um, when is the house officially yours? And just generally what to keep in mind on this crazy journey to home ownership, okay? So like I said, we're diving deep. So you definitely wanna make sure you hit up our website, hothappymess.com, because that's where I'll share all of the show notes, the links, and the resources that we're gonna talk about in this episode. So without further ado, class, are you ready to get back to the basics? Grab the pen and the paper, whatever you use to take notes, because you are about to get schooled in the best way. I'm about to get schooled in the best way. Here are the experts. All right, y'all get ready because I'm super excited for this panel. First up, I want to introduce Heather Roy and Alirka Bosnak. They're business partners, real estate experts, and best friends. They are also my realtors. Okay. So they're the ones who've helped me find and buy this amazing house that I've started settling in that y'all keep hearing about. Okay. If you haven't heard that episode, go back, listen to the, I just bought a house episode. Uh, they're also award-winning list-making top producing agents at Douglas Element and Beverly Hills. Heather and Lyrica work with clients on their real estate dreams in LA across the country and around the world. And they love working together, which I can personally attest to. And it's so much more fun when you're working with people who love what they do. So hello to Heather and Lyrica. Hello. Hi so there. good to see you. So fun. It's good to see you too. We also have the lovely Destiny Roxas. Hello. Now, Destiny is an expert real estate agent with the Freddie Garcia Group at Compass in San Diego with over seven years of industry experience as a loan officer, loan processor, and notary public. Destiny is passionate about guiding her clients through the process of financing a home and learning how to effectively market and sell their homes. Destiny's also the founder of Greater Good San Diego, which is a community organization dedicated to supporting and uplifting other community-based movements. Destiny, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for having me, Zuri. Excited. Of course, of course. I'm so excited to have all of you amazing badass women on the podcast today. Home ownership for me, this has been a first time journey as our hot, happy mess listeners are well aware now. And it was just the ultimate crash course. And so we've had a lot of really amazing feedback um, as far as just kind of helping people get their footing, maybe if they're considering home ownership or starting the process and feeling a little overwhelmed. So I love that we have these three power women here to kind of give their inside expertise to us today. So last episode, I spoke to a real estate investor and she gave us the general lowdown on the home buying process. But I really want to get the nitty gritty from you as well. I asked our expert Kendra last week this same thing. And the stat is that for six years in a row, millennials, that would be my target demo and also who I am as a human, um, are the single largest segment of home buyers in America. However, we all have realized the housing market is brutal. So I'm curious to know your personal opinions on whether we should be buying now or waiting for demand to die down. I'll kick it off with Heather and Lyrica because I feel like this is a combo we've had at, at certain points. And yeah. I learned my lesson, but we definitely have. Yeah. You know, buying real estate is something that's an exciting process. And uh, we never think it's the wrong time to buy property because 
Um, right now, especially, the interest rates are incredibly low. So that means that you can your affordability is just much more. So if the interest rates rise, your affordability will be, you know, lower. So it's it's kind of it's a balance. So there's no reason not to get jump right into the market. And I think we say that too because um, we shared this with you, Zuri. Uh, Larry and I do everything together. We act like twins and two headed monster and all that. But um, yes. I'm totally open about this. Lerka bought property way before I did, like before either of us were in real estate. And um, I'll never catch up to her. Like she'll mm. always have more equity than I do. And that doesn't mean just like run out and buy property without thinking it through. We always have to make really good educated decisions. But we mm. encourage everyone and especially women because it, it's not historically something everyone pushes women to go do by themselves. Um, we say like, yeah. get out there and buy real estate. Um, because yeah. if you, the sooner you do it, it's the compound effect over time. You'll have more yeah. equity. And you mentioned those historically low interest rates of which I was a very grateful recipient. <laughs> I say. Um, d- d- get a little specific for those who might not be as familiar. Where are interest rates sort of floating right now for someone with generally good credit, which is a thing we've touched on in previous episodes? Uh, right now they're bouncing around in the threes, um, the low threes, and they have been tracking them since the early 70s. And this is just a historically low time. So, I mean, when we were younger, that the it was double digits for the interest wow. rates. Yeah, so, that's real. really so. If you Google interest that. rates, like as a graph, the graph you'll see will be jumping up and down all in, in places no one would even think about being satisfied with now because. The whole time you've been looking at houses, you've seen these numbers that are all under six. Yeah. Wow. Under six. Yeah. That mm-hmm. that three percent and under was real cute. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a lot of money on the back, y'all. Um, Destiny, I'm curious to know your thoughts, your POV on this when it comes to waiting for a market to die down or just saying, you know what, it is what it is, and I'm going to buy anyway. How do you feel? Well, touching on you know what the ladies were just discussing, I mean, my dad had purchased back in the 70s, and I believe his first interest rate looked about 17%. So that was pretty oh, high. Yeah. Um, <laughs> luckily, the house is paid off now. So that's fantastic. And it's interesting because it's appreciated in value. I'm in San Diego, so I know it's a little bit different from L.A., Um, I believe that's where you two ladies are from, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it's a little bit different, but obviously California has seen such a crazy appreciation with all the values. I think owning property is such a big part of the American dream. I think it's so critical for women and people of color to own homes because in the past there was a lot of barriers to, you know, from redlining and a lot of the things that were happening before there was a lot of industry regulation So if you can, I'm a huge supporter of people getting it out there and trying to, especially taking advantage, obviously, of the historically low rates because 17 isn't cute. So, (laughs) yeah, right. (laughs) And women women used to not be able to get anything without their husband's signature. So you couldn't get a credit wait, card. Until you couldn't what, get a mortgage. Like year or decade. The seventies. Because I mean, it yeah. blows like, your mind. You think it's recently, possible, like yeah. the seventies and the eighty, early eighties. Yeah. No. Yeah. 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 Yep. Oh my god, patriarchy. <laughs> We're not that that's an entirely different episode. Time. Yeah. 
Oh my God, it's exhausting. Um, Just a few days ago, the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development Secretary, Marsha Fudge, stated that student debt is limiting Black ownership. Now, she said it's partly down to failures to enforce the Fair Housing Act, which prohibits housing discrimination. And we know Black home ownership has been on the decline and Black people pay more for housing than white people. I was reading this um, article just the other day. I'm sure all of you have heard about it where a black woman was putting her house on the market and it kept being appraised lower than she expected, lower than she felt her house was truly worth. She asked her white neighbor or friend to to stand in um, when the appraiser came again and the house immediately went up significantly and it's appraisal value. So it's those sort of, you know, shadowy, covert, uh, discriminatory practices, to be quite frank, that really make it an uphill grind uh, for people of color particularly when it comes to home ownership. Um, Fudge says for people of color, especially black people, home ownership is wealth. It's not only wealth to us, but it's generational wealth. Destiny, I'd love if you could just speak to that a little bit. You know, you touched briefly on redlining um, and the, the laws that are in place now to protect people from those sort of predatory and or discriminatory practices. But I'd love to just get your thoughts on where we are now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a really big reason why I'm glad to be in the position that I am now where I can actively help within my own community. The large majority of my clientele are people of color. And so that's really important for me to kind of give back to the community by providing my knowledge and my insight, as well as, you know, it's it's a different level of almost like camaraderie when you actually can help someone who looks like you. So in all reality, I know that there is a very lengthy history of discrimination, unfortunately, but especially with that appraiser situation, that's super, super disheartening. I would say, you know, based off of my experiences, I feel like, especially in San Diego, I feel like we've been, it's a little bit different. I mean, I would say we have a hodgepodge collection of different ethnicities and backgrounds. A lot of my clients are Hispanic. Um, but ideally, you know, we would move past that and just focus on the numbers. The numbers are typically mm-hmm. what should matter the most to people. But I mean, you can't help when there's a few bad eggs that are involved. Unfortunately, I really do feel like my presence in general does help inspire other people. I've received so much positive feedback, but also having my knowledge from the lending side has been extremely helpful with my current clientele. So I do remember um, when I was doing loans back in, I think it was back in 2019, I actually had this experience where I was working with a Black family and they didn't know that I was Black yet. We hadn't like connected in person yet. And so it was Uh all over the phone. And I remember it was a grandpa and he was like, (laughs) he said, he said, oh, Oh you're asking for my bank statements. You know, that feels like you guys are racially profiling. And I was like, oh. And the funny thing is, is like he was referred to me, the family was referred to me, and it was by his nephew. And so I knew, I was like, wait, okay, so I know the racial demographic here. And I was like, well, I know you can't tell by my last name, but I'm actually African American, I'm Filipino and Alaskan Indian, I'm a big mix, right? And so he's like, oh, okay. He's like, well, since when did they start asking for bank statements? You know, back when I first purchased, I didn't have to He was ready to take you to court, girl. I was like, wait, wait, hold on. This is is standard procedure, okay? This isn't anything crazy. But it is different, you know, from back in the day when he was first looking in the market. And so, you know, obviously before 2008, things were not as regulated as they are now. So, you know, they're looking at your tax returns. They're looking at your W-2s, your pay stubs, like 
basically mm-hmm. everything in your DNA. Um, but like yeah. other than your firstborn, you know, so it's kind of, we like- call it a financial colonoscopy. <laughs> oh gosh. Just get up in there. Get up in there. Heather and Lyrica, I'd love if you could kind of like break that down for people who are, you know, thinking about stepping into this home buying process, particularly for the first time, what should we prepare for before we head into our colonoscopy? What do we need to have in order? <laughs> Well, for the financing, you're going to need everything, just like Destiny was saying. And you have to be an open book and you have to be really responsive to the lender you pick to work with. We're not lenders, we're real estate agents, um, but we have to work closely with lenders. And it's really cool Destiny has that lending background so that she can give people that high comfort level when they get asked for things like their Venmo history. Like, who is this? What is the, somebody thought that one of our clients had an extra house, but it was their payment to the Soho house, the club in Los Angeles. <laughs> they said, we need, we need such an LA. Yeah, it's a very thing. LA story. <laughs> yep. But in general, yes. yeah, you need to be, you know, you need to be ready. And part of it is like, is this a good time for you? So we're saying we're always like pro buying real estate, but then there's a part where you look and say, is this a good time for you? You talk to a lender, you look at like, if your credit's low, it's not a good time today, but like you can make a plan really quickly to work on your credit. Like it's not unusual to have problems with your credit. And the more we all talk about it and talk about how to fix it, um, the easier it is to like not feel so intimidated by these things. It's intimidating to buy for a loan. For sure. And then, you know, I'm also just thinking that the other thing we often say to our clients who are buyers and first time buyers is that you should really want to hold on to our house for five to 10 years. Because if you're thinking of just buying something for a short hold, that might, because the only time you ever make or lose money in real estate is the day you sell. So you just want to be insulated in that and and be able to hold on to some property and life changes. So sometimes you can't, but if you can, for, you know, whatever reason. Yeah. If you are able to hold on to a house for 10 years and you'd come to us in three and say, I'm ready to get a bigger house already. We can look at it and see if it makes sense and see if the market's gone up or down. If you come to us in three years and are like, we didn't plan to live here. We're like, oh my God, the market's down. Oh my God. Oh my God. (laughs) Like, so that's why we just do this really long range planning when we talk to everybody about getting in there. Yeah. No, I want to break down. This might seem super rudimentary, like very basic, but when it comes to our options for home buying, um, I'd love all of your, well, any one particular person, we don't have to beat a dead horse, but um, when it comes to the types of homes that we can buy, we have single family, we have condos, we have multifamily. Um, A couple of my close friends are looking into house hacking, maybe doing a duplex and then living in one end and, you know, uh, renting out the other to essentially cover the mortgage, uh, who is willing to just very succinctly break down what our options are? I'll do it. I'll do it. Okay. Get in there. The first first thing I'd like to say is it actually does matter where you live. So you just mentioned Mm. a duplex in New York city, a duplex means up and down. So that means one unit that has two floors in it. So that's just, so you have to know what regionally, what you're talking about. So, um, here in Los Angeles, and I believe San Diego too, or Destiny, correct me if I'm wrong, there are different types of housing. One thing that's, um, you know, condos are what a lot of people would call apartments. So apartments are what you rent, you pay a landlord when you have an apartment. The person who owns that landlord is owning a condominium. And that means you own the walls in on the of the unit. So you're sharing, and therefore you have to pay homeowner's dues to own, you're sharing an ownership of the roof and the systems and all of that sort of thing. So that's a condo. 
A single family house is a freestanding house. We have a lot of product right now being built that's called small lot subdivision, which look like townhouses, but they're being classified as single families because they have about two inches of free space between the mm-hmm. the units. So that's they're put they're doing that because of a density problem. We have a cri- we have a housing crisis in California. So they're really trying to put more units of housing on in the space that we have allotted. So that's what I almost got, you mm-hmm. by the way. <laughs> 2 inches was not enough space. I needed more space away from my neighbors. You, God bless all of them. You wound up with more space. <laughs> yeah, the true Wait, single family. And the thing that makes that single family is that it has something called its own assessor's parcel number. So a lot of this comes down to like how things are taxed and how you pay your property taxes or if your loan is part of a group like a co-op in New York or like if your loan is just for you. So that's, I don't think there is a short list. No. And then Mm -hmm. there's what you mentioned in California, a duplex or a triplex or a fourplex is exactly that. It's two different dwellings, but they have the same assessor parcels number as Heather said. So a duplex is you know, side by side. And the reason why Heather looked at me to mention this is that when I was in law school, I bought a condo. I sold that condo, took the proceeds and bought a duplex with a girlfriend of mine. So we each lived on one side of the duplex. He's all acting like that wasn't my idea. It was totally (laughs) totally my idea. (laughs) Give Heather her credit. (laughs) I was actually just building a social empire for myself because it was our other friend that she bought the duplex with. And it was just a time in our life when we liked to go out a lot. A lot. A lot. So, as one does. Was, yes. As we need one a does. pool table for the garage. You know? <laughs> Naturally. <laughs> so, um, but then, and then eventually, but the thing is that I bought it with a very good friend. And so I eventually bought her out of it. But you can't, you know, you, we had a contract. It was not just a... Um, we had a full on. Yeah, contract. you don't just go getting property, even with your sister or your best friend or anything. Like Larica and I have a partnership agreement for our business, and Larica mm-hmm. had a partnership agreement when she bought the duplex with our friend. Um, so it's kind of cool. It's like you know, grown up paperwork stuff. is key. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. then, just like, if you're your ever confused about like how to deal with something, like when they got married or you know any of that stuff, you just, you can go back and reference something you agreed on when everything was really calm. (laughs) Right. Because it is anything but in that moment when you're trying to sort out who gets what. Yeah. Destiny. I'd love if you could break down, I'm curious to know a checklist when it comes to a buyer uh, diving in, is there anything that you like to go over with your clients beforehand, um, before you jump into the showings, anything to keep in mind, anything to look out for when you're considering uh, what home is right for me and what home is not right? for me. I remember Heather and Lyrica made me write um, a list of like my top 10 things and my top five things. And if I got three out of five, it was a good day. Um, And then in the end, I got like everything I wanted, which was the biggest surprise and blessing. Um, But how do you sort of steer your, your clients into what to look for when they're shopping? Well, typically I would have a first time buyer consultation, you know, very similar to this kind of setup. I usually do a Zoom or a Google Meet, whatever is easiest for them. Obviously coming out of COVID, I got really used to having like buyer consults online. Um, but I will say adjust expectations. That's typically what I start with just because with the way that the market is right now, and it is very saturated, there's a lot of buyers out there all competing for very little inventory. It's, it's hard to get exactly everything that you want. So trying to keep them as open-minded as possible is like a really key fixture. 
Also, I will say, you know, even before the pandemic, I, I was originally mentored by someone who was just like, oh, if they do not have a pre-approval, you know, don't waste your time. Just wait until, you know, they're approved. And I had really good advice from someone else who said, well, if you're a newer agent, why wouldn't you go show them homes? And obviously this is, again, before the pandemic. Um, and kind of give them an idea of what it's like. Now, I'm not saying go show countless homes to someone who's not pre-approved and you don't know anything about their credit or income or assets. But I always try to advise that, especially for newer girls who are entering the industry. You know, um, now it's a little bit different because certain sellers will be, hey, we just want serious buyers. We're kind of scared of COVID. We don't want just anyone walking through. Um, but I always do try to keep it a little bit open. So trying to open their minds as much as possible. But the loan officer in me definitely always wants to know what their financial standing is. Um, it's, it's something that I try not to push right away, especially if it's something like a Zillow lead. So I try not to crush them with all the heavy questions about, you know, all right, so let's look at your credit. A lot of people are terrified about, looking at a hard pool on their credit. And I think it's one of the best things that you could possibly do before even starting the process. Because at the end of the day, a lot of people just go, oh, well, I checked your credit karma. I'm fine. And I'm like, no, sis, you aren't actually. The lies. <laughs> I know. I thought that was me forever. I was like, credit karma said I'm great. Oh, no. So like, let's go buy stuff. And then <laughs> FICO was like, LOL. <laughs> I had to get it together. Yeah, it's, it's super misrepresentative because typically in the mortgage world, you look at Experian, Equifax, and TransUnion. And a lot of people don't realize that credit karma uses a different algorithm. So unfortunately, mm -hmm. you know, someone may think, oh, yeah, I have over 750 credit. You have no idea how many times I've heard that in my life, like literally. And then they're really shocked when we actually get into the nitty gritty and it becomes this back and forth like, oh, my gosh. Well, you know, since it says that, why can't we just use this score? And it doesn't work like that, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. So that being said, I have an amazing credit specialist that I actually refer my clients to that is quick and efficient about getting it to happen for them. So I oh, think it was pray tell. Who is this? <laughs> his name is Wayne Wolf. He's amazing. Um, he actually, so I think it was in November of last year, I had a client whose credit was down in the 500s. He had actually purchased before, lost the home. And this is, you know, decades ago. And so this was his, you know, kind of second foray into everything. It was 2008 when he lost everything. Um, so we actually got his credit score up to FHA level, which is a 580. And then we got it higher mm -hmm. than that. Um, we got it, I believe when I left him, it was 660. So, and oh, it great. took him a great. month and a half to get there. And it was, you know, he had to take the time to do it. But once he did, and he trusted the process, he got into a home right after. And it was really, really mm. a great feeling. Um, because unfortunately awesome. your credit affects every credit line. It's not just, you know, oh, can I get this home? Every credit card, your APR is affected, any personal loan that you have. So really mm -hmm. trying to maintain your credit is good. I know a lot of people that have credit scores in the 500s are kind of like, no, 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 I don't want to see it because it's just taking more points off of it. Well, the best way to attack that is by assessing which, you know, what's being reported and then you can work on getting those things off. So, yeah, no, that's really great insight. And for everyone listening, if you're listening and you're like, oh God, my credit, like, <laughs> trust me, I was there too. And we have those episodes, those are already published. So go back if you haven't heard them yet, uh, talking about credit hacks, easy ways to kind of like bump it up a few points. We have an episode with the budget Nista, Tiffany Aliche, where she is just diving in to the credit from the good, the bad to the uglies. 
So by all means, go to that episode to help you get that score real cute <laughs> before you try to put in an offer because God knows it's going to need to be a strong offer. As I learned, Heather and Lyrica, um, before we get into the, the, the competition and how to make a strong offer, and this is for all three of you, I'd like for you, Heather and Lyrica, to just kind of break down um, a specific checklist. Like, what are some of the things you want your clients to think about, whether it's neighborhoods, locations, schools? What should we think about before we decide where to look and what to look for? I think we break it down into two categories. And one is all those things like you were talking about, we had you make the list like that can be schools, number of bedrooms, if you want a garage, if you want to live near a restaurant, you love like all that, and then resale. So we have our clients like look at like personally, like if they have a partner, they sit down and do it separately. And then together, if they're by themselves, like you just sit down and write and write and write and then whittle it down. And then we let you we don't give you any resale info when we have you do that. And so then we look at that list and look at houses you like based on that. And then we say, amazing, this is a match. But then we're going to tell you like this house doesn't have parking or this house like isn't an easy layout for people with kids. And even though you don't have kids and don't want to have kids, we want to get as many people as we can like mass together to try to buy it from you when you're ready, whenever that is in the future. So I think that's like we let our clients think about all of their needs. And like, if, you know, if they say something, but it's not making it to their list, we help them with that. But then we kind of weigh in after they match up the houses and their needs and say, now here's the perspective for resale. One of the number one things we tell everybody is that there is no perfect house, no matter what range rate price range you are, you will always want a hundred thousand dollars more or $500,000 <laughs> more or a million dollars more. It's true. Yeah. No matter what everybody wants a third bedroom, then they want a mm-hmm. movie theater, then they want a helipad, then they want a vineyard. Like it just, <laughs> it goes all so it's like, feel I'll like, take any of those. like nobody's <laughs> ever happy. Like it doesn't matter. Like, you know, and it's especially yeah. true in the markets in which we all work and live because there's just so much demand. So it, mm-hmm. we also say it's a lot like dating, right? There's no absolutely perfect partner or if they appear to be perfect. Oh my God. Larry's husband shoe is not allowed to listen. To well, that. he's he not didn't. a skier. I wanted a skier. <laughs> she did. So Larry was single. She made this list. She had to go back and put single on the list. Cause she's like, I met a great guy. He was married though. And oh then, God. Like, what a catch. Like, <laughs> and skier was on her top like five. Weird, a Hawaiian. Okay, <laughs> he's but and he can't ski. No way. He doesn't even think oh, it's wow. a sensible use of time. <laughs> <laughs> so that's exactly so. But she's very happy. So you can be happy with a but lot she's of things happy. on your list. You don't. So need you all can of them. be happy even if your house doesn't ski. That's the takeaway <laughs> for me. That's a gem worthy of dropping. Um, when it comes to qualifying, when it comes to you know being in in prime form to compete for the these homes that we're competing for. Um, what do you think people should keep in mind when it comes to how much house we can actually afford? We hear about the debt to income ratio. Um, we don't want to be like house poor. What do you recommend people uh, consider when setting their budget? And we can kick it off with Destiny and then go to Heather and Lurka. I mean, I would definitely take a look at your savings, your retirement, because certain forms of retirement you can pull and borrow from. And considering how quickly homes are appreciating, I think that's a really good you know, asset to utilize, um, because it's going to definitely make you more right now than it is sitting in your retirement plan. Um, I definitely feel like having a strong down payment is ideal in this current market. 
Um, unfortunately, What's strong to you? What percentage? I mean, 20% conventional is one of my personal favorites as a loan officer mm. or more if you can. But at the yeah. same time, it really, really kind of stinks right now for FHA and VA buyers. And that's been a lot of my bread and butter in the past. Um, I... I sympathize with them right now because a lot of listing agents are literally just looking at price. And one of the issues that's been coming up lately is the appraisal gap. Now, ladies, I know you guys know all about that. Um, What's the appraisal gap? It's (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we need to lay down to talk about this. Okay. Well, so basically when it comes to, you know, FHA and VA, the Federal Housing Administration and Veterans Affairs, you know, they ensure certain loan programs that are made for, you know, veterans or, you know, people who are active duty. Um, And then FHA typically appeals to people who have lower credit scores um, and it's a lower down payment. So it would be three and a half percent down. Now, the appraisal only, you know, basically that comes in, you know, offers accepted, you're in it. But just based off of how home prices are going right now, a lot of the times there's a gap between the actual appraisal value, the appraised value, and then what the purchase price is. And then it becomes Mm -hmm. this whole thing between the seller and the buyer of who's going to pay for it. Right now, sellers have an advantage. They have so many other people, you know, who are putting in offers that are strong and they will pay above the appraisal. So if you have someone, you know, who's 0% down for, you know, VA, they don't really have anything other than covering their closing costs a lot of the time. And so then it becomes an issue of like, okay, so how are we going to cover this $10,000 gap, you know, and who's going to cover it? Well, the seller's saying, well, we've got five other offers on the table, so you're going to have to figure it out or we're, we're moving mm-hmm. on. So it really mm-hmm. kind of sucks. I don't know if Heather, you wanted to touch on that. Lirka. Well, I just want to say personally, really quickly, I was the person getting all caught up in the, the, the gap between what a house was worth and what I was paying for it. You get so, I, I almost slipped into this and, and I do credit Heather and Lyrica for being like, okay, wait, so like, this is a reality. This is like, just think about it. This is what this means. Like you have to come up with this cash. And it's like, you get into these competitive, uh, gosh, I don't want to say pissing matches. <laughs> But like, it's, it's just like, you're, you're trying to get a house, yeah. right? And I, I, I found myself getting so worked up because it's so competitive that there were a couple times where I almost, almost mm-hmm. was like, maybe I should just waive the appraisal contingency and just screw it. Like, I'm just going to pay a bajillion dollars for this house. I don't care if it's only worth 50 cents because <laughs> I want it and I need a house. But then the moment comes where the bank is like, yeah, so that house is only worth 50 cents. And I'm like, ooh, but the thing is, I don't have a bajillion dollars. <laughs> and like, I think being honest with yourself, like I had to get honest with myself about what I was really willing to pay more than what a house was technically worth. And um, it's sobering and it is humbling. But God, I'm so glad that I did not end up waiving appraisal contingencies because being on the hook for these homes where a lot of them are having buyer's remorse. I was reading an article about um, SoCal house buyers where they're buying these houses. They're excited in the moment because they went above and beyond to get it. But they paid way more than it was worth. They maybe waived their appraisal contingencies. So they had to come up with that cash because the bank wasn't going to cough up the money to lend it to them. And now they're realizing, oh, this doesn't work. Oh, this is broken. Oh, I've got to put another 50K into this house in the first year. And I paid more than it was worth because I was so overzealous to land one. So it's really hard to not get swept up in the frenzy 
because that's the, the state of the union right now. But Heather and Lyrica, what, what are your thoughts on all of that? I think it's so important to pick a price range where you're really comfortable. And like, mm-hmm. if you, if you're shopping, if your max is a million dollars, say, just because it's a round number, don't shop for million dollar houses. Shop at eight hundred. Shop at eight hundred. Shop at seven fifty. You want to be the baller to come in and be like, "Here's an extra two hundred thousand dollars." And you yeah. know, we often talk about whether or not a house is overpriced. What we ought, what we'll say is, houses aren't overpriced if ten people want them. They're just expensive. Houses are expensive. So don't right buy now. something that's too expensive for you. Like, and that's why we talk about all this long range planning. Like, you know, if if you can hold it for 10 years, you can wait for the value to catch up with what you paid for it. So it, it, knowledge is really powerful for all these things. Like knowing that your credit being high is good because then you're less risk for the bank. Like knowing that like the appraisal is like the way that all the banks like kind of keep control of their collateral. Like that make, like helps you get your head out of like you're just competing with other people who want a house and you understand you're part of this big system and so then you're like, oh, okay. So if I'm shopping at, you know, 500 and I can afford up to 700, that's great. Like, then I know I can like put extra money in and it's a good decision for me or for my family. Um, so I think that's what we really believe. Yeah. Really good advice. Um, it's one thing to rent. And that is one thing I miss is just like calling my lawyer. Like, <laughs> this is broken. Can you fix this? Da, da, da. Um, there's a bug in my house. Can you come and like exterminate all the things or fumigate? Um, now I have to pay for that. <laughs> it's really sad and <laughs> slightly depressing. So the cost of ownership, like a lot of people think you buy the house and if I can afford the monthly mortgage, we're good. We're in no. there. Oh my gosh. Oh. That's just the beginning. We save five to $10,000 every year for something to break. And that's what I wanted to ask. You know, we're in charge of repairs now. You're you, the HOA, mowing the grass, calling the plumber. These are all your responsibility. So if someone would just take that, keeping in mind, reminding folks what they're now responsible for and how much money or what percentage you suggest they'd be willing to cough up each month or each year in addition to the mortgage. Yeah, no, I definitely think I definitely think that everyone should have a budget that they operate on when they're home buying. So I think it's something that needs to be broken down. Um, even before you hop on Zillow, I know it's so tempting to go on Zillow because it's right there and it's like fun. And I know a couple of friends that just it shop is. on there casually, but like <laughs> they just be looking through and then like suddenly you're like, I, just I want still it. shop. <laughs> I'm like happy in my house and I'm still on Zillow and Redfin like every day. It's addictive. <laughs> it is. And it's interesting. But at the same time, I mean, you should really, really consider everything that you're currently paying for. And also look at what you're going to be anticipating. So like you were saying, I mean, there's all kinds of little things that you think are going to be little, but if you aren't maintaining the home, that's going to lead to significant problems later down the road. So, I mean, say there's a little leak, right? And you're like, oh, it's not that big of a deal, like whatever. And then the ankles stop burst and then suddenly it's flooding in your kitchen and suddenly it becomes this whole other issue with mold, like little things can add up, you know, and even just like for resale value, like having and making sure that, you know, the paint looks good. And I know a lot of people are just like, oh, it's just a little bit of flaking of the paint. But in all reality, it's just going to be harder to fix later down the road if you continue to dodge that, you know, and taking care of it. Home maintenance is a huge part of being a homeowner, but it also comes with the pride of ownership. It is a really cool thing to have 
you know, the control and the power over it. Like a lot of my friends own pit bulls, for example. They're not, San Diego isn't the most friendly city when it comes to pities. And so by owning, you do have that benefit of being able to have full control and full reign over your property. It's actually really cool to me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Heather, Lyrica, you you guys were talking about, I, was it a yearly sum? You said 5K to 10K? Yeah, yeah. just that's per a year? Good, yeah, to just have okay. that. At, and, you know, it might, one year you might spend $1,000. Another year you might spend twenty. Depends on if you need a new roof or a new sewer line or just to fix the leak under the sink, as, as mm-hmm. Destiny was saying. When you're shopping for a house, like, learn about how much it costs to repair things. Because, like, right here in L.A., it costs a lot more to do certain things than my family in the Carolinas. But then it's funny because certain things cost the exact same, even though the house might be $2 million here that I'm looking at is, like, 400 there. So, like, you really need to know in your area how much stuff costs. and. Time goes by really fast too. When I got my house, they were like, oh my gosh, this air conditioner has like 10 more years. And I just forgot about it. I was like, 10 more years, I'll I'll be a hundred years old. (laughs) Now I'm like, oh my God, I got to look up how much air conditioner is. I have to actually do this now. Yeah. Yeah. I was warned. And And that's one of the things we do when we help buyers when they're buying a house as part of that general home inspection is you're making kind of a list and you should really like check it to make sure, you know, you know, when that 10 year is up so you can have the money to buy that new air conditioning. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in addition to all of that, really like I, we wish everyone would change their filter on their air conditioner every mm-hmm. six months, you know, like that's just that's the what- most sexy thing we're going to say. <laughs> yeah. You know how to be sexy? I have change never been air- more into a conversation <laughs> than when we started talking about changing air You know, filters. and it's like, if you have a hot water, a tankless hot water filter, you need to clean it once a year. It needs to be serviced. Your air conditioner needs to be serviced. Everything needs to get serviced. And it's so- Oh my God. Boring. Do I need to be doing that stuff? Yes. Guys? Not yet, but oh, I- once a year. So you just put it almost in your calendar and just say like every June I have everybody come service everything in my house. Get it done. It really, it saves you in the long run and it's so boring. Like you can even do like your house's birthday. On your house's birthday of when you bought it, you can just be like, oh yeah. I love that. Like, okay, this is my house's birthday. It's great. And everybody else's birthday is that month. And that's when I change the filter. I check your thing. Like it's all about perspective. I'm a big birthday person. Mm -hmm. As soon as you say it like that, I'm like, Fun. My house is worthy of birthday <laughs> celebration. We're going to celebrate you and give you new things next yeah. year at this time. So. I like that. I, I will be doing that. Um, Destiny, you mentioned 20%, obviously, like an ideal strong deposit. Are there any other options if you don't have that much money saved? And what would they be? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can go. Honestly, there is a CalHAFA program. I would say it's a little bit more challenging in this market to get those accepted. Um, they do have uh, first responders, depending on the lender, who it is. There's all kinds of different programs that they have. So I would definitely try, you know, different brokers, try different banks, just see what options are available out to you at that time. Um, sometimes it's seasonal. Sometimes they change depending on because like my best friend in Vegas, um, she's a loan officer out there at Fairway and she has different programs that are specific specifically for teachers, actually. Um, so it just really kind of depends um, who your lender is and what they have currently available. But typically, you know, FHA is three and a half percent down. Um, there's home ready and home possible programs, which is 3%, which really depends on the zip code area the home is in. Um, and then there's, you know, conventional can go down to anywhere from three to 5%. 
Um, but yeah, there's different options. I will say a lot of listing agents, once they see conventional, they get excited and they're like, oh, great. But they don't always have to know that it's 5% down or something like that. You do have to pay for private mortgage insurance on conventional. And then there's also just regular mortgage insurance on FHA. But eventually when you get down to 80% or 78% LTV, then it falls off um, or you can ask to have it removed. Um, but that's just an extra liability that, you know, your, your lender typically has just in case of default. Um, but yeah, there's a bunch of different options. That's why I always encourage people to shop around and consider their options when it comes to a lender. But you also want someone who's going to really support you when it comes to, say, you're out looking at houses on the weekend and you just happen to see one at six o'clock on a Saturday. Not all lenders are made the same and not everyone will respond to you mm -hmm. with those pertinent those pertinent moments where you have a question and you're just like, okay, I need to reassess my finances really quick. That's <laughs> yeah. why I was really careful to have someone who is responsive to you. Cause yes. otherwise there's the only nine to five Monday through Friday guys who are like, sorry, I'm clocked out. You're gonna have to figure right. it out on your own. You don't I'm really so glad that. you said that because that was one of my saving graces in this entire experience. I almost went with one lender. I ended up going with another, but what I will say is both were so communicative about, oh my God, I know it's seven o'clock on a Sunday night, but like, and this is how I ended up with this house. Like it was literally, I toured it on Valentine's day. It was like, this is a house, but it's a Sunday. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, okay, let's put the offer in guys. So Sunday night, my team is like scrambling to get this offer together. And very often it is a time is of the essence thing. Yep. When you have potentially other, uh, potential buyers who are willing to compete. And if you have someone who was like, I clocked out, I will see you Monday at 9am. <laughs> and someone else is locked and loaded at Monday, 9am, like that can really be the make or break between getting a house or not getting it. So I love that you brought that up. Um, is there any place that you recommend people check out when it comes to finding a lender or shopping around? Um, I mean, typically for me and my clients, so I, I refer them to a trusted lender that I work with. And I'm sure, you know, Heather and Lyrica, you guys probably have your preferred lender as well or lenders. So, and I base that off of, you know, the experiences that I've had, you know, the consistency, the communication is obviously huge, um, but also the close. So my lender can close in 10 days. Now that's extremely fast. And even with Jumbo Loans, he's at like 17 days. So that's the kind of stuff that gets, you know, a listing agent's attention. When you can close and deliver on what you're saying within that amount of time, that is going to put you above the people who are at 15, 21 days, 30 days. God, some of the big banks are like that. I will warn you, some of the big banks, you know, I know you house your money there. And a lot of people are like, oh, that's where it's most safe. But they are not as incentivized to basically earn your business because they've already got your money. Mm -hmm. So at yeah. the end of the day, a lot of those a lot of those banks, Mission Fed, a lot of them will go 30 to 45 days as a close. So just be cognizant of that when you are making your choice for a loan officer. The final season of Power Book 2 Ghost is here, and no one's future is safe. After surviving a hit on her life, Monet, played brilliantly by Mary J. Blige, has to reckon with what led her to almost lose everything and to atone for the life she has forced her children to live. And on the other side of the coin, Davis, portrayed by the multi-talented Method Man, is suspended and on the verge of losing his law license. Desperate to survive, he fully embraces the criminal underbelly of his enterprise and finds himself working for both sides. Loyal to whichever one benefits him most. And then, of course, there's Tariq, who finds himself at rock bottom and facing threats from every angle. With his future in the game in serious doubt and his family safety on the line, will he lean into the St. Patrick name and do whatever has to be done to get back on top? 
like father, like son. Power Book 2, Ghost, the final season. Watch now, only on Stars and the Stars app. There are moments in life that are so special that you have to capture them and save them forever. They are one of those once-in-a-lifetime events like your baby's first steps, the first time you bring your family pet home, or your daughter's first dance performance. With iPhone 15 Pro, more storage means you don't have to delete anything that can become a lasting memory one day. And it's important to be able to share these moments with family members who weren't there to see them in person. Store more, share more, connect with iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T. Get iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T and get an iPad and an Apple Watch for 99 cents per month each. AT&T, connecting changes everything. Limited time offer requires 0% APR, 36-month agreement on each. Well-qualified customers. Other terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash iPhone for details. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. When the NBA championship is on the line, every pass, every shot, and every dribble is immediately, undeniably consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, real blood, and real tears. Trust me, I know what it takes to bring home a championship ring. The regular season is tough, but these games are a completely different level. Now is the time when legacies are made. The best team will bring home the Larry O'Brien Trophy and add their name to basketball history. Will we see a battle between marquee franchises or will we see a new champion crowned? Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year? Their year. These are the moments of unscripted, pure entertainment that only happen on the hardwood. You've waited all season for this. It's time to take it to the next level. The NBA Finals continue. Tune in on ABC. Heather and Lyrica, when it comes to buying the house, we've gotten the lender, we've got the pre-approval, we've got all the things. Um, where should we be looking? I mean, obviously, anyone who listens to this podcast, there's like a 95% chance that they spend as much time on Redfin and Zillow as I do. <laughs> it's just very on-brand for our community. Yeah. Uh, but on the off chance, someone doesn't know where they could be looking. Where do you recommend people look to just sort of generally browse and find homes to potentially tour or buy? Well, we have a long speech on this one, but we'll kind of shorten it down, which is that all the information comes from the multiple listing service, which is our membership organization. It's not sexy. It's really not a pre- not as pretty of an interface as Redfin and Zillow, which is why they're so popular that SNL did a whole skit oh on God, it, so you funny. know, <laughs> of what everybody's doing. So, yeah. um, but but we also, we also recommend tremendously to really interview agents and hire a buyer's agent so that you have somebody as your person. Because if you're just calling a stranger to help you find a house, it, it can be done, but it just won't, you won't have that same representation as you will with someone who you've vetted and met with before you make an offer on a house. Cause it's a really big mm-hmm. purchase. It's a really big deal. Um, but you know, for actual looking, we say, look everywhere, look at anything you want, but the information's all actually the same. Got it. Some people in, in this frenzy have been willing to purchase a house site unseen. According to a 2021 <laughs> millennial homebuyer survey, 80% of respondents said they'd consider buying a house site unseen. I've, I'm not this one. I do believe one of my closest friends, aka producer Star, did this very thing. Star, feel free to pop Star. up and clear the record if I'm wrong. <laughs> 
Um, but I, I she and I'm putting her business out here. This is just edited out. If you don't want to but um, she was moving to a new state, and she saw obviously online the photos. But she did not get to tour the house. Her and her husband, and they committed to it. They committed to buying the house, and, and I think um, it's very indicative of the times we're in. A lot of people are doing it. Eighty percent of people are saying they'd be willing to. What are your thoughts on that? Have you worked with buyers who bought sight unseen? Um, have you seen a rise? Do you think it's a good idea? A bad idea? Well, the contract in California is actually very buyer-friendly. So, you know, sight unseen is one thing. You can make the offer, you can get into escrow, but then you can do your investigation. And so it's not as common for people to have never seen the house before they close on the deal, but they might make the offer and go f- down the wrong line and pay for inspections and be invested in it before they've actually seen it. So I think that that's yeah. probably ultimately what's more common than just... I think too, like we say, like we're, we always tell you like, what's the best thing. Like if you're selling in the house, we're like, move out, stage it, paint it white, like all that stuff. That's the best. Now let's figure out what Mm -hmm. you can do. So like Mm -hmm. the best thing is to come to a town and rent in a couple different neighborhoods and check it out and then save up money. And like, then like, yeah, that's not probably going to happen. Like if you're a military (laughs) family and you're getting transferred, you're not going to go there. So like, yeah, if part of the best, like your best option at the time is to do sight unseen, then really focus on stuff like resale qualities. Right. Because and, then, and to yeah. your point, Star is an army wife. So that is 100% uh, why they, they kind of have. And also you, Google Earth is your friend. Use it, use mm. it, use it. Look to see if it's next to a gas station. Look to see how close it is to the freeway. Look to see all those things on Google Earth because you won't know necessarily what it is just from looking at the pictures. So you want to see yeah. if, it t- you might be, if you're on Google. Because I almost buy those houses all the time when on Instagram that are like, cool stuff for under $50,000. And it's like, this beautiful house <laughs> in Kansas. And Perfect. Like, oh my God, I want to buy that. There are certainly no catches with this. <laughs> Flash forward to an apartment building. Yeah, like really just on top it. of it in like a <laughs> murky ocean of like toxic waste or something. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I love toxic toxic. <laughs> Destiny, what what would you add to that? With the sight well, it can be said, I mean, it's almost like shopping on Amazon, right? Like when you see a cute, like something like a dress or something, and then you get it and you're like, wait, this is not even the same color as it was. On it's Amazon. like what I it's asked like, for versus what I got. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I mean, but I will say I have helped clients mostly when I was doing loans. Um, I remember I had this one guy who was special ops. He was in Germany and um, his wife was actually in New York. And so he could barely even communicate with me. And this was a 14 day, I remember, but he definitely did not see it until he came back. Um, she was actually driving across country. But some of the best things about technology nowadays is we have things like Matterport where you can do a virtual walkthrough or if you, you know, actually have the FaceTime capability, you can actually go and show, you know, weird little angles that the photos on the MLS will not show. I will say Mm -hmm. on the listing side, obviously, you know, you want the photos to look immaculate. You just you can't. Okay, we're just going to blow it out a little bit, make it look really bright and white and cute and stuff. And then you get in there and you're like, wait, why is it so dingy? But like, you know, it's it's. You have to work with an agent that you trust and that you know is going to be real with you if you're not going to be there 
in person to see it yourself. So I commend Star. I'm sure <laughs> mm-hmm. she had someone great on her side. I yeah. hope she likes her place. It's beautiful. Um, <laughs> it's great. I mean, we'll have to ask yeah. Star. I'm not going to speak for it. Like Destiny, I, to that point, we always, we represent both buyers and sellers. And when our, when we'll have our listings and buyers walk in and they say, this looks just like the pictures. Like that is the best compliment. And it's what it should yeah. always yeah. be. Right? <laughs> so true. So true. Um, now I want to talk a little bit about the escrow process and to get to that, you have to have a competitive offer. So I'm curious to know, do you ladies think that you should kind of lead with best and final? Cause that's what it started to feel like for me in LA. It was like, we don't have the time to be like, let's low ball and then go back and forth with them because you're assuming that they're even going to choose you to engage with. And so I, that was like a steep learning curve for me to realize, like, we really have to come in hot. There's no, you don't have the time, the, the luxury of time to sort of ramp up to your best and final. Um, what's your perspective on that when it comes to making a competitive offer, something that's going to stand out from the rest of them? What's important? Obviously a strong down payment would be a great thing. Anything else to keep in mind or try to get together? I love to have a conversation with the listing agent. As soon as I know that my clients are very invested and interested, I typically try to get them on phone, on the phone in front of them. So a lot of the times I'll be at the listing and we'll just like, you know, put them on speaker and really kind of pick their brain and kind of get an idea as to the timing, you know, what the seller is looking for, you know, okay, so say it's a 1031 exchange, their needs are going to be different than someone else who's literally just contingent offer or something of that nature. So for me, I'm like, okay, so do you need a short close? Like, you know, should I come in guns blazing? I will say that I've started kind of adapting a little bit of the weight. So if I know that they're going to be reviewing offers, say on Tuesday, I might come in, you know, on Monday and submit the offer because if I come in, you know, several days prior to that, and it depends, sometimes, you know, the listing agent will get an offer that's ridiculously good and they'll just be like, sorry, we accepted it and it's gone. So, you know, that's kind of the risk you take. But if you do end up in a situation where, you know, there's other people, you can see the line around the building, you know, to get in there. Sometimes if you kind of wait and then you can kind of see like how the other offers are looking, typically if you have a good listing agent, they're going to be like, look, we're north of, you know, whatever amount. And then you can kind of structure your offer according, you know, to what they've told you. So I think it's really important to have an an agent that's on your side that gets along with other people, not just you, the client, like that's great, but they need to have good interpersonal skills with the other agent because that's going to be a really big factor. Most listing agents aren't just going to pick someone based off of, you know, obviously price is huge, but if they don't like you and the way you come at them, Mm -hmm. they're not likely to work with you, especially when they have other offers and they can tell them to come up. So Mm -hmm. as long as they have, you know, good social skill sets, I think that's kind of not ever really mentioned or talked about, but it really does help, you know, and especially if, your agent has networked and knows the agent, then you have something really going and that can be, that can be beneficial to you and your buyers. Yeah. Ideally your agent is not a jackass. <laughs> yeah. I really are not. To do that. Sorry. I'm Heather, so sorry. You there, no, what would you add to that? <laughs> um, I think this is hard to do because you're so caught up like in your moment. Cause this is your big, I'm buying a house moment. But if you can just take a beat and think about what it's like to be the seller you'll get really good at having a competitive offer. Like, cause if you're like, Oh my God, they know they're going to have to go into this buyer's market. Oh my God. They, they might be selling the house. They raised their kids in, you know, like if you just for a minute, like think, Oh, I'm, I, 
I'm at work. I don't have time to do this one thing and sign the paperwork, step out of the meeting. Cause you're like, Oh my God, the seller is waiting to find out if I'm going to come back with what they want or not. Like, so if you can just have your agent ask like what destiny was saying, ask all those questions. And then if you, in your mind, you can say, what's it like to be on the other side of this? You're going to be more competitive just because your perspective is going to be better and different than probably a lot of the people making offers. And Zuri, back to your original question, as far as strategy goes, we should tell you what's happening in this market. There are three different kinds of um, ways that you can list a house. You can list a house at market value aspirationally, which is what our parents all did. They were like, I'm going to list my house for a million dollars. And then someone's going to make off. Cause I always wanted a million dollars. Exactly. And in this market, some people do that and then they might get it. But what has happened, and this is all from the global um, financial crisis that basically people need buyer confidence. So it's called event pricing. So people are pricing the houses just below market. And so that's what what buyers are accustomed to because they're also, if nobody else makes an offer on a house, buyers like, wait, what's wrong with the house? Right? So, like if yeah. you don't hear all those other people are making offers in this market, you're like, oh my God, that house must not have what's a roof. Catch? Like what's happening? Right? Yeah. <laughs> so because of that, that's why they are going for these ridiculous prices over the list prices. It's mm. actually a pricing strategy. It's a marketing tool that the seller is using to get eyeballs and to get people into the houses. So you want to basically know that. And that's one of the reasons why making a strong over asking offer is actually not, it's not bad. It's what's expected. It's not being silly or it, foolish. You know yeah. how much houses are worth if you've been shopping even for a couple of weeks. Cause then like one pops up on Zillow and you're like, what? Oh my gosh. That's even cheaper than that one from last week. Like your brain like just keeps taking all that in and you, you have a really good idea. So yeah. Yeah. So let's say you've made the offer. Um, it was strong. It was competitive and your offer is accepted. Uh, Lyrica, can you break down what is escrow? What is the inspection period? What can we expect after our offer is accepted? Sure. And I'm going to speak again to California because it's very different here in California than it is on the East Coast and like New York and Boston, where it's all a lot of it's done with real estate agents. Here, uh, lawyers. Or lawyers, excuse me. Here, it's not most of the time lawyers are brought in to review some of the documents if you want, but it's not required as part of the transaction. Escrow is two things. One is it's the time period you're in from when your offer is accepted to the end of you owning the house. And as is also a third party neutral company that owns the, that holds the money and also um, governs the, you know, has that contract, but then governs the deal. And at the beginning, you're making an offer and the counter offers all become the contract that then governs the entire deal. You're agreeing to everything up front. That's why it's so voluminous, the paperwork you're signing. So once escrow opens, that's the term of escrow company has that contract then and escrow is open and a typical escrow period is 30 to 45 days. So that's what you can expect your time frame to be. During that time, you've got your deal is contingent. We'd spoken a little bit about the appraisal contingency, but you also have an investigation contingency time to really look at the house and see what's going on. Um, property is sold as is here in California, but People do go and investigate the house to make sure that the roof is of sound quality and the sewer line is actually attached to the house. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like um, we did like the arborist. We had come <laughs> to check out the trees, and you know, and I learned a lot about protected trees. And I think that I learned about like can't touch the oaks. Not that I would want to, but I couldn't if I did. Exactly. Um, so yes. 
And then the other the other contingency is your loan contingency, which Destiny can speak to more and we've been talking mm-hmm. about. But those contingencies all run concurrent. And those are times when during which if the house doesn't appraise and you have the appraisal contingency or the house doesn't have a roof and the, you want a roof on a house, you can cancel the deal here. So those are the things that, so that's, that's kind of a period during which, um, you know, you're, there's a little more flexibility as a buyer in that you're able to really do your investigations and then cancel. Um, after yeah. you've removed your contingencies, what is uh, within three business days also, I should say your earnest money deposit is re- you have to, this is generally what it's about 3%. Usually it's again, negotiable, but what's become customary is that it's 3%. That goes into escrow and that's wired into escrow. If you cancel the deal while the deal is contingent, you can get that 3% back. That will be wired back to you. If you've removed all of your contingencies and you're on day 28 of a 30 day escrow and you decide, forget this, I'm moving to New York instead of California, your three, your three percent will be at risk at that point. So, and the seller would keep that, presumably. They're going to have a good reason to, and they're going to try really hard yeah. to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Understandably, yeah. honestly. Um. So this is kind of your speak now or forever hold your peace phase yeah. <laughs> when it comes to the the inspections and the contingencies. Destiny, if you could just speak really quickly to the loan contingencies specifically, and then also negotiating repairs. This is the moment when we can say, "Ooh, wow. I noticed this during the inspection, or this. Are you willing to cough up a little cash or come down on the price uh, so that I can feel good buying this house still?" Yeah, definitely. I mean, a loan contingency is, it really kind of, again, depends on the strength of your lender. So typically when you get your pre-approval, you know, you submitted your documents for review, they've, um, you know, they've kind of reviewed it and then they're like, okay, we've assessed that you're a good potential buyer. So we're going to give you, you know, your pre-approval. So now you can go out and shop. Now there's different levels to like what certain lenders will do. I know that my lender and what I was taught how to do was basically just run credit, you know, look through the credit. That's something that I find that other lenders, I don't understand. We rescue a lot of deals with my other lender. Like, I feel like it's it's something that he should do and everyone should do up front. But, you know, you run the credit and you look through it, you check for bankruptcies. I've heard of, you know, some of my realtor friends have had situations where they're at the last week of closing and then suddenly the lender goes, oh, we saw that there's a bankruptcy. Um, we can't actually do this loan. And so, you know, things of that nature. So you need to make sure that your lender is really kind of assessing everything on your finances in the beginning. Um, so that means doing the desktop underwriter, which is basically DU. Um, you want to make sure that that passes, that it says approved eligible, and then you can go out and shop. Um, again, a lot of lenders are more encouraged to just get give you the pre-approval but, um, and gain the business from the realtor. But when it comes down to it, a lot of things can go wrong without having some form of underwriting done on the file. So, you know, I believe that issuing um, pre-approvals haphazardly is actually really detrimental. Yes, it might take a little bit of time. Say, for example, you need to get a verification of employment done because your income might be variable. So in that case, you know, okay, so we need to ask your supervisor or your HR department to fill out this verification of employment and break down your commissions and bonuses so that we can actually see and average what you're actually making. Yes, that might take two more days. That might take a couple more days. It really kind of depends on how quickly, you know, your supervisor works on it, you know? So, um, but I would rather have all of that work done up front prior, you know, to really home shopping and you getting emotionally attached and the offer getting accepted. And then suddenly it's like, oh wait, you know, the loan fell through. So, 
Um, but the loan contingency is yes. Like you, you typically wouldn't remove that unless you are a cash buyer. Um, but in certain cases, some people, especially VA buyers right now, they're doing everything they can and they're waiving all types of contingencies. And I kind of wanted to speak on that as well. Um, cause a lot of agents that I know are waiving things like the home inspection contingency and, I think that's actually really in place to help protect the buyer because you can still have an inspection done um, if you waive the contingency, the home inspection contingency. However, you're not necessarily able to ask or request um, repairs be made. So it really kind of depends on the agent that you're working with on the other side of the deal. I will say that my team lead, he had waived the inspection on a property that his buyers were so desperate to have. Then they found out there was foundation issues that amounted to about 60 grand. So um, in that case, they were like, okay, we're actually going to walk. And the seller actually agreed to pay for it. And so, because they knew, I mean, honestly, if they go back on market and they canceled the deal, you know, with them, they would still have to disclose that by law to any of the other buyers and offers that come through. So essentially, it's like, well, just get it done. You have to do what you got to do. And that's why it's important as a homeowner to make sure things like the roof and the foundation are good. Um, That's something you want to check in on every so often. So, (laughs) Got it. Got it. Thank you for breaking that down so clearly. Uh, We touched on closing costs in part one of this Homeownership 101. So if y'all are curious as as to what closing costs are and um, how much to consider for that, go listen to part one of this episode. Otherwise, you probably already know. But just in closing, I would love if each of you ladies could just break down final takeaways, tidbits, advice when it comes to just this journey in general. And then also that first, oh my God, this is my house. Like, I feel like it's like going home with a baby for the first time, which I've not done yet from the hospital. It's like, wait, I have to keep this thing alive. So that's how I felt with the house, but it's been a really fun, beautiful, awesome journey. This is my baby right now. Um, so is there anything that you all recommend folks keep in mind as they start their journeys? Heather, Lyrica? I think don't be intimidated. Like if somebody is making you feel intimidated, they're just not the right partner or the right team member for you to do this. Because even if you do go through everything and decide it's not right for you to buy property, that's fine, but it should be your decision. You shouldn't decide because you don't understand something or people aren't patient enough in telling you what you need to know. There are so many people that know about all this that you should just keep going until you find somebody that not gives you the answers you want. It's just is willing to be patient with you and tell you because no one's born knowing how to buy a house. Like no matter what they tell you, no matter how easy they make it look on TV, like we all have to learn how to do it. And it, you, there are people out there who will help you figure it out. Yeah. And those TV shows aren't real. (laughs) (laughs) Don't believe the TV shows. As fun as they are to watch. It's not how you buy a house. (laughs) That's not. It does not take 30 minutes with commercial breaks. Sorry, guys. Destiny, anything you add? I will say it can be an emotionally draining process. Um, No one really wants to fork over a huge part of their income to, you know, buy something. It's just not a very necessarily enjoyable thing. I always try to advise that, you know, I know we just saw this house and I know you love it, but just try to take yourself out of that emotion. Because if you lose it, a lot of the times that will affect the, you know, 
the basically the momentum that you've already kind of built with like looking at homes. Mm -hmm. So I really do try to say, you know what, like you need to do some self care, light a candle, like take a break from looking at Zillow. I know you've been like this, like the whole time, but like, you know, really kind of take yourself out of it, breathe and understand that like, okay, it'll happen when it's meant to be, it'll, you know, it'll happen for you. But don't get too, too stuck on anything until you're actually accepted offer and you're doing your investigations. Um, But yeah, I mean, also, it's just, it's a huge thing that you're doing for yourself and your family. I think it's really a huge um, benefiting factor because of the generational wealth, you know, basically by owning property and being able to pass that on to your family, hopefully at some point in your life. Um, that will help them, you know, gain in the world. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's a huge thing that a lot of the previous generations, as we were talking about earlier with redlining, a lot of African Americans in particular were missing out on those opportunities. And so I just feel like right now it is always, you know, a great thing to research and prepare yourself for, educate yourself as much as you can. And, you know, as, you know, Lyrica and Heather were saying, like, it's really important to partner with someone who you trust and who's going to take the time. If it takes six months to buy something, it takes six months. If it takes a year, whatever. But like, at least you're going to be with someone that actually cares about you wholeheartedly rather than just seeing you as a number and a statistic and a paycheck. Right, right. Oh, that's spot on. A hundred percent. I back that one up for sure. You want to feel comfortable, especially when it's a first time process, which it was for me. I didn't want to feel rushed into anything. I didn't want to feel bad if I had to pull out of, you know, um, escrow in my investigation period. I wanted to feel like my team was on my side and whatever that meant, whether it meant we're buying the house or we're not buying the house, they fully supported, which I can personally attest to the fact that that was the case. So Heather Lerker, thank you so much for that. Thank all three of you ladies for joining us for this episode of Hot Happy Mess. This was jam-packed with info. I absolutely loved it. We'll have all of the ladies' information in the show notes. So if you want to reach out to Destiny, Heather, Lerka, ask more questions, maybe buy a house, you'll have all their contact info in the show notes. Okay. So check that out or go to hothappymess.com for that info. Ladies, thank you so, so, so much for joining me today. This is wonderful. Great chat. Thank you. Hi. Happy. Yes. Thank you again so much to that amazing trio of women for the deep dive into home buying. And before we head out, I want to share with y'all a really sweet iTunes review from a lovely listener at SMT28 said, relatable, honest, funny, and authentic. Authentic. I love, love, love this podcast. So much of what Zuri, the group chat ladies, and all the other podcast guests discuss are so relatable or applicable to my life. I've learned so much already in just a few episodes about learning to live my best life and not be so hard on myself. I continue to be inspired. Thanks, Zuri. SMT28, thank you for taking the time to leave a review. I'm so glad that Honestly, it's just helping you be a little less hard on yourself because that's my hope for for all of us. And that's what I try to do for myself, too, is we deserve grace. So let's extend that to ourselves. And if listening to Hot Happy Mess every Monday is your little slice of grace, say la vie. I couldn't be happier to hear it, okay? Remember to leave a review if you have a few seconds on iTunes. It's free and it's an easy way to support the Hot Happy Mess podcast. It shows that people are vibing and it helps us grow, okay? So if you wanna do us a solid support in an easy way that's free and quick, just leave a super fast five-star review. Go to Apple Podcasts, type in Hot Happy Mess, scroll down and write the review, boom. P.S., if you're loving our career and finance series that we're currently in, then beat a doll and tell a friend. You ain't gotta keep 
us a secret, share the love, share the episode with somebody, uh, send them the text right now. Matter of fact, take a second, go ahead, just share it. Tag us on social so we can repost you at Hot Happy Mess at Zuri Hall. Um, and keep up with us on Instagram and Facebook, okay? Because y'all know we stay giving the good. So share the love. It is a humble brag. Nah, it's just a straight up brag. It wasn't even fake humble. We're doing the damn thing. But we're glad you guys are loving it, okay? Uh, keep up with me at Zuri Hall. Don't forget at Happy Mess on Insta. And I will see y'all next Monday for our next episode. Bye. Bye. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, now streaming only on Hulu. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. Every pass, shot, and dribble is immediately consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, blood, and tears, real legacies. Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? You already know when and where to find these moments of unscripted, pure entertainment. The NBA Finals continue. Tune in on ABC. There are moments in life that are so special that you have to capture them and save them forever. They are one of those once-in-a-lifetime events, like your baby's first steps, the first time you bring your family pet home, or your daughter's first dance performance. With iPhone 15 Pro, more storage means you don't have to delete anything that can become a lasting memory one day. And it's important to be able to share these moments with family members who weren't there to see them in person. Store more, share more. Connect with iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T. Get iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T and get an iPad and Apple Watch for 99 cents per month each. AT&T, connecting changes everything. Limited time offer requires 0% APR, 36-month agreement on each. Well-qualified customers, other terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash iPhone for details. 